0: To five hours of draining all my energy
1: How did I get here again? Hello, 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 friends and welcome to another episode of While We were Waiting, where we share expert insight and true tales from inside the restaurant industry. I'm your host, Martha Madison.
0: And I am your co-host and Martha's husband, energetically A.J. Gilbert.
1: (laughs) Okay, I might make you do that again. Do it one more time with some energy, A.J.
0: Oh, gosh, we did that. thing where we were doing with that production company, and oh we had God. to sit out in the sun all day wearing a suit, and they were telling me more energy, more energy. Yes. I'm your co-host and Martha's husband, AJ Gilbert.
1: There it is. See? It works. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so once upon a time, we had a couple of production companies that were really interested in doing something with us, but... Uh,
0: didn't have enough energy.
1: Didn't have enough energy. <laughs> okay. On today's episode, one of my favorite people on the planet, Daniel Bobby Tuttle, I call him Bobby because I've known him forever, uh, tells the story of how he found himself managing some of New York City's flashiest restaurants and how his longtime boss and accidental mentor left a lasting impression on his life. We're also going to chat about this week's news, to school or not to school, finding our gurus and more. But first...
0: Uh, but first, just a couple of tidbits. There's uh, Alenia has been in Chicago, has been doing a pop up uh, restaurant, I guess, on a rooftop somewhere. Mm-hmm. So it's not in one of their spaces, but it's just some way to keep continuity, I guess. And they did uh, an appetizer. I don't know what it was to eat, but it was in the shape of the COVID virus, or at least what we imagine it would look like if we were right. up close to it. And uh, boy, they. Took a lot of hell for it. People are very offended. The idea that you would have a super expensive meal that would start with the COVID virus during the time of COVID. I think it's poetic.
1: I think it's about art, right? The culinary uh, design, I, which is really what it is at that level, is about you know capturing society and everything that's happening in the world. I mean, how inventive and I think kind of poetic to make something beautiful out of something so just terrible.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I I, just and I'm
1: sure so. that's what they were trying to accomplish. And people just need to stop being so offended. I mean, so really offended. Yeah. So I actually deleted my Twitter account this week or deactivated it because You cannot even say something positive, like have a great day (laughs) without people chiming in about, you know, how dare you sit from your perfect little pedestal and tell people who are dying to have a good day. It's like, it's too much. Like I had to withdraw myself from the conversation because it's no longer a conversation, right? We're all just yelling at each other.
0: I didn't play Twitter until the pandemic and I was bored and wanted another, you know, a uh, social media platform. I like the way that people kind of rip on each other. I don't participate. Oh, I, yes, I, you
1: I, do. I was going to tell people today, you found Twitter like a couple weeks ago and now you're like everybody's troll.
0: <laughs> I don't post. I don't post anything. I had 12 followers and then I posted something political and now I have nine. <laughs>
1: Well, one of them was me, you know, deactivating my account.
0: Oh no. Yes. No. Sorry. I lost one of my followers.
1: Yeah, you troll me enough at home. I don't need to do it online.
0: <laughs> but I, I I mean, Twitter is the the medium that rewards snark, right? If you can yes. come up with something really concise and clever. But I do I do think people are really funny. And most of the people I follow or that I read are part of the kind of Republicans against Trump. And these guys are great writers and they're just hysterical. And the things that they come up with to respond to his tweets and stuff, it, 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 it's worth, it's worth the price of admission. I really, yes.
1: I will say that the thing that is making this political, uh, or this election cycle bearable is the Lincoln project. I love their ads. Oh, they're great. They're so good. And you know, like you said, the, the only sad thing about, You know, the next one is that they're not going to (laughs) be like rooting for the Democratic Party.
0: Right, right. The next time they're going to be on the other side. Yeah, the the Republicans are definitely better at branding and and marketing than the Democrats who just have a list of of things. Speaking of politics, uh, for those that are voting by mail, I was I probably saw this on Twitter, but I was really surprised to see that between eight and 10 percent in a routine election of mail votes, uh, votes by mail are rejected because they're not what? done correctly. Oh, But you have to do it at home? Nobody's going to check your work. Right. And, um, you put it in the mail and then, you know, the, the truth is, is that on election night, they usually haven't even counted the mail votes by the time they declare a winner. They don't usually affect the election, but this time they unless it's really
1: will. close. Right.
0: Right. And so people who are voting at home, be really careful of how you fill out that form. Uh, And make sure you sign it or whatever the requirements are in your state, because this is a real thing. And I'm sure we'll hear more about it kind of collectively. But uh, this is this is something that could really affect the outcome of this election uh, is how people fill out those those ballots.
1: Right. Well, the other bit of really important, not even political, but newsy item is school. Right. School is coming up, uh, starting for most of us before Labor Day or or so they say, and here in our school district, they are, they are making us decide whether we're going to have all virtual, 100% virtual learning, or 100% in-person learning as per usual by Friday, <laughs> like, or this past Friday, so I guess this yeah. is Monday now. So you know, we had to, with not enough information and now six weeks out from the school start date, decide whether we're going to be sending our kid to school or not. And it has been like the most difficult decision, not because I want to send my kid to school during a time where COVID, you know, rates are going way up in Dallas. Like I already know I'm not going to do that, but it's then having to commit to this virtual academy instead of committing to a teacher at the school you have to commit to a virtual academy where you could get assigned to any teacher anywhere, right? Yeah. With kids that aren't in your neighborhood or don't, you know, you'll never see again. And or whether to take her out completely and homeschool her, you know, with our own homeschool, cur- you know, curriculum. So I, I didn't think. find
0: it a difficult decision. I thought the only answer was the one that just punted it further down. I, I think that, you know, you're saying, why would they present this choice at a time when nobody knows what's going on? Right. And so the answer is just choose the option that, you know, is going to, so we, we, we enrolled her without any expectation that she's going to walk through those doors Yes. because then we're not enrolled in whatever the Zoom school that they're setting up is. Right. And then, you know, whatever comes will come. And so I, I, I think that that was the clear choice. I, I think that, you know, this is, you know, it's just, there's so many terrible, unimaginable, challenges right now. And this is one of them. And I, you know, I don't fault good people for making the best decision that they can, but it is, it is really hard to, I I mean, I think that any decision that people are making now that starts with kids, assuming that kids are going to go back to school five days a week is made out of bad intention. I don't think people believe that's possible.
1: No. And I think that we're seeing a lot of school districts around where we live, not ours yet, but a lot of other school districts are saying we're delaying, like they've officially delayed two to three weeks. And I think we're doing that in the hopes that Governor Abbott is going to have another mandatory shutdown so that we can get these rates on the decline. Um, of course, he's only threatening that now. He hasn't done anything yet because, God forbid, somebody make a harsh decision. <laughs>
0: so so here's, here, here's the thing. You know, I was watching the Sunday shows this morning and all the medical people repeated over and over again. And this segues nicely into something else I wanted to talk about. You know what the big vector is? Mm-hmm. It's bars. Mm-hmm. Bars are, you know, and I feel so badly. I know I have a lot of friends that own bars. This is not a good business now. Um, you know, Massachusetts has said that bars cannot reopen until there's a new therapy or a vaccine. I think that's the way they wrote wow. their, their order. Um, in Texas, bars are closed. In California, they were supposed to be able to reopen, I think, last week. And they said, no, I mean, it's not going to happen. Uh, bars are really dangerous. And I think that it's this environment where people are talking loudly, um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, and breathing out and it creates those droplets that cause, and you're also in an enclosed environment.
1: Well, it's also the point of going to a bar for most people is going in a group. That's why.
0: Yeah, good point. So, so back to Abbott. You know, they closed the bars. What was it, a week ago? I mean, they were kind of they weren't supposed to really be open, but they were. People were not obeying the rules. They completely shut them down like a week ago, and I think they're hoping that that's going to bring the numbers down. I I think that the numbers are so high, it couldn't just be bars, right? Mm-hmm. It, you know, there has to be other things going on. So I they're going to wait until whatever the impact of closing the bars and limiting restaurant occupancy another twenty five percent, which was just doesn't make make any sense at all they're going to wait until they see the amount of time two weeks two and a half weeks for that to affect the numbers and my prediction is is that if if the numbers don't go down then we're heading to another lockdown schools are closed Mm -hmm. there's not going to be any public assembly stuff uh restaurants will be available for takeout and outdoor dining only and that will be our world through the fall that's my prediction
1: yeah. I just, you know, everybody is going to kick the can and it's just going to be open and close, open and close. It's kind of, you know, what we're seeing from where I sit as a recruiter too. I have all these clients that have been like, okay, I think we're ready. Oh, wait, nope. <laughs> Hold on. You know, I've had so much of this start and stop happening over the last, you know, six weeks or so. It's been really frustrating, you know, not just for the restaurant owners, but for the people who are desperately looking for work, you know, it's just been really, it's just sad all around. And, and this is actually a good segue to what I wanted to talk about. You know, it's just, everything has been so dreary and so, you know, so much bad news and however long we've been in quarantine, I've really been trying to use this time for some self-reflection and Um, You know, we're never going to get this much time to ourselves again. So I really, I can't go out and do stuff really, but I can work on my own shit. Right. So I've been doing therapy with the BetterHelp app and I I love my therapist. She's great. I've been, you know, reading a lot and, um, you know, that book Untamed by Glennon Doyle just like Just changed my life. But now I've kind of gone one step further and I reached out to one of my very best friends, who is actually our guest today, Bobby Tuttle, who has um, now become, over the last few years, uh, like a theta healer. And really, for me, more of like a life coach, right? Um, And, you know, a lot of people with theta healing, it's, you know, it's about changing your brain waves and it's about, you know, um, kind of reaching this like peak of like I don't even know how to describe it. Like, how would you describe it, AJ?
0: Well, I, I I don't know that I know much about it, but I I think that it has to do with it. You know, there's there's a there's been movements throughout, you know, the last hundred years or so trying to connect kind of science and spirituality. Right. And the impression I get is that this is. If you look at the brain's electromagnetic pattern, uh, uh, that you would be trying to manipulate that through thoughts, right? And I guess that the the outcome would be that that you would change your brain's pattern. I, I think that mm.
1: um, something uh, like that, right? It's it's you know. it's this like what a lot of people, including myself, up until now, would call like hoo hoo witch doctor stuff, right? Like <laughs> it's not something I would typically. Um, be excited about. But, you know, I'm also have a, a psychology degree and I've always been fascinated with the human mind and how powerful it can be. And and I am a, a fairly spiritual person, I think. And so in this quest to kind of, you know, bring the subconscious conscious and deal with my shit, I thought I would try this thing and feeling like this might actually work for me because I've known Bobby for so long, right? We're very close. He knows all my everything. Um And you know what I did? I've had two sessions with him now over Zoom and it has done more for me (laughs) than years of therapy. I 100% swear by it. And again, like, I don't know if it's a special thing because Bobby already knows where all my weak spots are and like knows the kind of stuff I need to work on. But just the way he's able to ask me the questions that make me really have to go deep and yeah. and and think about the things I really know are are sort of the the root nerve of the things that are messing me up, you know, and throughout my life and kind of deviating me from the path I want to be on. It has I I can't stop thinking about it. You know, he's he's a lot of it has to do with meditation too. So he's, you know, I have a mantra now and I've been doing it every day. And I, I really think just that simple. Taking a second out of your day every once in a while to like center yourself and and you know meditate on this one idea has changed so many things. And in fact, one of the things he said he said good or bad whenever you know any time during the day when you're just like something great happens or something terrible happens, you know, just take a second and think, um, you know, how, how could this be better, right? How could it get better than this? And he said, and the universe will show you. Eventually, the universe will show you. And I I shit you not, this happened to me the other morning. I woke up. Charlie's like screaming, running into the room, dogs barking. And it's like chaos like it always is at 630 in the morning. And I'm half awake and I'm thinking to myself, how can this be better? You know, please show me how this can be better. I don't want to wake up in chaos every day. And it was the very next day for the first time ever in Charlie's life, she came downstairs and she said, mommy, daddy, I'm awake. I'm just going to go watch my iPad while you guys sleep. (laughs) And I was like, hot damn, it fucking worked. (laughs) Data waves. Data waves.
0: I think anytime you're, you know, you're talking, you know, one of the hard things, I think that there's this myth that your friends and your family can give you advice But, you know, everybody has their own kind of agenda. Right. So, you know, when you say this is what's on my mind, what the person people who are closest to you or in your life every day respond to is how does this affect me, whether they're doing it consciously or unconsciously. Mm -hmm. And just going to somebody who's, uh, you know, kind of outside of your daily flow and kind of sharing your stuff, I think, is always helpful. You know, I. I'm pretty cynical about all this stuff. I've never been involved in organized religion or anything, but I started doing yoga a few years ago, which I absolutely miss now. Um, Mm. And uh, you can
1: do yoga at home, you know,
0: it's well, yeah, you can do a lot of things. It's not the same, but um, uh, you know, the Shavasana, there's some like hot 23 year old girl who's telling you the things you should be concentrating on in your life while you're laying on the floor of a room covered in sweat, but your endorphins are flowing and you're relaxing and, you know, you. I, I've gone places in that, mm-hmm. you know, 60 second thing. And, you know, I think that, uh, you know, all these things, you know, are helpful just because we choose to do them, right?
1: Yes, that's, if, the, that's the key, I think, is being open to it, being open to transform yourself, being open to change, being open to, um, you know, admit that you've been wrong about things and you've made some terrible mistakes. and And that is the way that you can move forward in a way that you're not going to do those things again. Um, you know, you're not going to short circuit at a, an important moment in your life or you're not going to get deviated from the, the, your purpose and the reason you're here.
0: And if you get really good at it, can you change the channel on the TV without the remote?
1: (laughs) If I get really good at it, I won't have any time to watch TV. Ah, yeah. <laughs> I have plans, Gilbert. <laughs> I'm gonna start manifesting some amazing shit. Just watch. Uh,
0: all right. Um, all right.
1: While we were waiting, is brought to you by One House Hospitality Recruiters, a full service hospitality recruitment firm serving all of North America. For more information, check out our website at one-house.com. That's O-N-E-H-A-U-S.com. And now it's story time. Today's story comes to you from my friend and personal guru who I just told you about, Bobby Tuttle. Bobby tells the story about how he met Gary a sophisticated and cynical general manager of German descent, and how Gary taught him everything he would need to know in order to make it in New York City's restaurant scene in the era of sex in the city. Throughout many years of mentorship, Bobby and Gary's relationship grew from complete skepticism to professional respect to a beautiful long-term friendship. And just so you know, we completely butcher... German accents in this story, and sorry about that. Here he is, Bobby
0: Tuttle.
2: I never enjoyed the restaurant business. No matter what, I never enjoyed it. I never was excited to go to work. I didn't care if it was an in-sync party. I I didn't care who was there. I never liked going to work. I liked the money that I made, but I never liked going to work and I felt like it ate at my soul. One of the most amazing things that I love about my time in the restaurant business are the people that I've met. It was April of 99, I had left Saks to go open this really, really trendy spot in Manhattan called um, Cafeteria, which is actually still open today. It's really a remarkable restaurant. So I had gone to open Cafeteria and it was really swanky. And I got fired because I'd called in to go to the Black Party, which, you know, I was really into my gay circuit party days. I really was looking for a job. Like, I had no place to go. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I walked by this space, and it was, looked like an old construction site. And I looked in the window, and it looked like a really cool, chic restaurant that was in, in being built. And it was called Local. It was on 47th Street, right off of Broadway, 47th and Broadway. And there was a hotel being built next door, which eventually became the W. But um, it was under a lot of scaffolding and whatever. And then there was this little sign in the corner that said, now hiring. And I walked in the front door and this amazing human (laughs) cocked his, his spectacles down to his nose and looked at me in this deep German accent and said, can I help you? And I looked at him and I was like, "Uh, I just saw your sign on the door and uh, I was wondering if I could apply for a server position. And he goes, I don't know, but you can fill out an application. And there was something about this person, his name's Gary. And there was something about Gary that I immediately just like inside, he made me laugh my ass off, but you couldn't laugh in his face. He said, okay, what do you know about wine? Do you know much about wine? And I said, I do. I actually think I think I know a lot about wine. And then, of course, he proceeded to completely fillet me by asking me what the difference between a Bordeaux and a Cabernet was and what was the regions that were most famous for Shiraz. And I was so flustered, I couldn't help but laugh. He was like, okay, I want you to take this test. So he gives me this test. And it has, like, one of those cross-pair things And I think I I had had matched porcini with like a kind of wine from Italy. (laughs) And he was mortified. He was like, porcini is a mushroom. And I was like, listen, my skill is that I'm a people person, people love me and whatever. And he literally, literally rolled his eyes and he said, I think I've heard that a few times. Eh, We'll try you out. It was a very, very hard opening. It was a very, very rough start. The construction never ended on that freaking place. And then the motherfucker left me. I'm leaving, I'm done with this place. And he was gone. I think it was like six months later, he, Gary calls me and he was like, Come to my new office. So I went and saw this new restaurant he was helping to open called Alusha. It was Sex in the City era, so everything was flashy and pretty, and the dishes were small and tiny and petite, and that was the thing then. Gary and I opened this restaurant, Alusha. Like, literally, we opened it together from the ground up. Alusha went through some really, really crazy times. We were open during 9-11, gary was actually not there during that time he had left of course abandoned me once again said i can't take this you're on your own and uh had left me there so one of his last nights it was new year's and i had started dating this guy and his name was giuseppe and he was 20. i was 25 so please don't give me any shit. so i invited him down and he sat at the bar and he was drinking Hennessy and Coke <laughs> and Gary says to me what is that later on in the evening I couldn't find Giuseppe anywhere and so I, I walk up to the manager's office and I open the manager's office door and Giuseppe is cornering Gary and saying don't you want to be my daddy <laughs> And, and Gary was mortified. Gary, Gary turned like bright red. And he was like, get this thing out of my face. I think probably, it was probably a good year later, I get that famous call from Gary saying, I'm opening a new restaurant, a very cool restaurant. It's called Jimmy's Downtown, but it's on 57th Street. You know, Jimmy was known for of uh, uh, known in in Harlem, uh, uptown in Harlem, and and in the Bronx for really having the best the best uh, Puerto Rican cuisine ever. And he had this amazing chef, Linda, who was just spectacular. Anyway, so this restaurant actually turned into be like an incredible, incredible, incredible spot. We had I remember Martha Stewart loved Jimmy so much. She would come in all the time. And of course I was, you know, the VIP server. So I had to take care of her. And one of my favorite, favorite people who always came in and asked for me was, oh, it's going to make me emotional. Um, Andre Leon Talley, who was the, at the time, the editor-at-large of Vogue you know in restaurants you you have to like wear all black all the time and i wore black all the time however i wore a black gucci tie i wore a black gucci belt and i wore you know gucci accessories and he was so smitten with the fact that i took something dull and boring and black and like and and amped it up i wore prada shoes um, and he had such respect for that, he always wanted me to take care of him. So I always took care of Andre. And he asked me, he was like, who, you know, who, do, you, who do you look up to in respect and respect in fashion? I said, well, obviously, Tom Ford is my idol. And he was like, yes, Tom is amazing. And I said, but I also adore Mucha Prada. And he goes, ah, Mucha is a very dear friend of mine. I love her too. One night, it was like, I think it was a Friday night or something. And the restaurant was packed. And Gary comes running in and he goes, your friend is here andre and he wants a table now and i was like well i don't i don't have any tables i don't know what to do and whatever and he goes he looks at me and he goes he looks at me dead in the eyes he he drops his glasses down he goes i would suggest you find one for him now he has a present for you then andre walks into the dining room with an entourage of four gorgeous italian male models and Mucha Prada, and I fucking flipped out, and he invited me to sit down with him, and of course, Gary was happy to let me do that. And uh, working with Gary, I had so many of these incredible, incredible, incredible moments. I think that had I not met Gary, had I not had, I not had him in my life, first of all, I can tell you that my career in the restaurant business would have been a hell of a lot shorter. That was my that was my sustenance and my abundance. And so I, I was able to live in New York City in my early 20s and have a great life. But you know, Gary taught me so much. He taught me so much about life. You know, it almost makes me emotional, you know, because he really, really held my hand through some difficult times in my life. Gary was the first, the first person, the first gay man I ever met who had had authentically been in a long-term relationship gary and his his uh his partner michael i remember the day he told me that his partner of 15 years was coming by and i was like what it, it was something that i always aspired to i was like wow this guy is really he'd obviously they'd obviously were very successful they'd lived all over the world they had done really amazing things they had um really great experiences and that's what i wanted you know i wanted that for my life i was 21 21 when i met gary and i remember thinking like you know this guy is such a great role model for me he's got figured out all of these things he's got this life and and this is what i want And I went through a few few years of my life wondering if I had wasted wasted time in the restaurant business, if I had wasted um, so many incredibly formative years, you know, when I could have been doing other things. I knew that there was so much more out in the universe, and so my spiritual path actually became my priority. You know, I ended up uh, being a part of an organization called Spirituality for Kids. That helps to create a a resiliency-based program that helped kids and teens. I, I worked with teens in Rikers Island. Everything in our lives is taking us to a bigger and better place. Everything. No matter what pain, no matter what suffering, no matter what we're going through. If we choose, if we choose, and it does take the power of choice, and the power of choice takes courage and strength. But if we choose to see that everything is for our benefit, everything is for our growth, and ask ourselves constantly, like, what am I learning from that? What am I learning from that? What can I gain from that? How is that making me a better person? It always aligns with understanding and knowing that you're exactly where you need to be at exactly the right time.
1: Well, thanks again for tuning in to While We Were Waiting. If you are looking for a transformational coach or would like to learn more about Theta Healing, you can find Bobby on Instagram at The Provocative Intuitive or go to his website, theprovocativeintuitive.com. You can find us and our episode pictures at whilewewerwaitingpodcast.com. And if you like to share your stories with us, we want to hear from you. Just shoot us an email at stories at whilewewerwaitingpodcast.com. You can follow us on all social platforms at Waiting Podcast. And if you like what you're hearing, just hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to this now. Until we meet again, wear your mask whenever you're around other people. Order for pickup, not delivery, and tip 30% whenever possible. Take care, everybody.
0: Maybe if I close my eyes.
1: I wake up back home.
0: Maybe if I close my eyes. Maybe if I close my eyes.